Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 85th episode of the You Thought Sports Podcast. I'm joined by the usual crew. Wyatt's here, Bart's here, Jared's here, even Aiden managed to show up. So we have a great show for you here today, and we'll get started with some of the news we missed. So, Nate McMillan is named full-time coach of the Atlanta Hawks. He held the interim label for most of the year, but after a pretty impressive playoff performance, uh, which took the Hawks to the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, some might say a fluke. No, some kidding. might say a fluke. People are saying, but they didn't name him the full-time head coach, so good for Nate McMillan. Yeah, definitely. Well-deserved. Yeah. Um, in some NFL news, uh, Trevor Lawrence signed his rookie deal. Four years, $36.8 million. Yeah. So there's no, more, there's no more hope for Gardner, for Minshew? I think it, I think it might be over. Minshew <laughs> Mania is over in Jacksonville? Okay. Well, until Trevor Lawrence tears his ACL or something, and then it's Gardner. Why? I didn't say I was hoping for it. <laughs> Mark, knock on wood somewhere. Find it and just give it a little tap. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm, tr- I'm sorry, Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> when he tears his ACL in like the first preseason game, we'll DM him on Instagram or something and be like, "We know whose fault it is." <laughs> <laughs> um, in worse news, uh, Shikari Richardson will miss the Tokyo Olympics. Uh, she was suspended for at least her individual event because of a marijuana drug test, and then the US Olympic team just left her off the relay team anyway. This has generated some backlash because. It doesn't seem like marijuana would necessarily be a performance-enhancing drug when it comes to running track. Um, And, yeah, so she won't be competing in the Olympics. Uh, Next, the Suns won Game 1 of the NBA Finals. Good for them. Chris Paul went off at 30-plus points. Giannis played. Uh, Giannis played. Giannis did play. Which I'm I'm surprised. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't think he's going to be at 100% throughout the whole series. The Suns might coast to a victory, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, the Euros final is set, uh, Italy's playing England, so shout out to anybody that had that final, which I think was nobody here. Um, <laughs> uh, Did you say North, North Macedonia? Macedonia? <laughs> I was going to say, they didn't crash out in the first round, but they were the champions in our hearts, right. and- at yeah. the end of the day. That's Wyatt, Lucas is talking about the loser's bracket. The <laughs> yeah. Italy. That's, yeah, the winner's obviously, yeah. It's not Macedonia. Yeah. There. Um, and ESPN, to sort of wrap it all off, sidelined uh, Rachel Nichols after she said that fellow ESPN analyst Maria Taylor was hired as, quote, uh, only a diversity hire, and so she will not be participating in NBA Finals coverage. What, what does sideline mean? She's she not going to be there. ambiguous yeah, at the moment, but yeah, she won't be. <laughs> yeah, but like, what about yeah, after the finals, though? Yeah, unclear, right? Uh, I don't know about after the finals. I know, so on the day that they sidelined her, they canceled her show that like for that day. <clears throat> but as far as like what it's going to mean long term, who knows? Hmm. Probably nothing. <laughs> Probably nothing. Yeah. That's true. Probably you know, we're on the theme of the NBA, so we'll get started with our first real <laughs> segment. Um, the NBA Finals this year are the first not to feature Steph, Curry, or LeBron James since 2010, with Giannis, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and others all vying for their first ring as the Suns take on the Bucks. So, Jared, are all these new stars making the Finals uh, good for the NBA, or does a lack of one of the really big names hurt the marketability this year and maybe spell some long-term trouble for the marketability of the NBA? 
In theory, it should be great for the NBA. It's about getting the fan base excited about new players. But, you know, if Giannis is not 100%, right, it there definitely takes a lot of the edge out of the, the finals, I think. And I, I think the problem, you know, with we talk about, it's like a, an interesting, like, push and pull. Like, we talk about the NBA being star-driven and everything, but if you put all your eggs in one basket, then if the stars don't make it, then, all right, then it's going to be a terrible finals. But really the key is you need, like, the talking heads and the pundits to be talking about other players year-round. Like we talk about LeBron or KD or Kawhi, Paul George. I don't know. Those are kind of like the first couple names that pop in my head, right? Is they need to be the, – the pundits kind of need to be talking about them year-round too. The other people, like Devin Booker, Chris Paul, John Morant, whoever it is, to keep them fresh in our minds. Otherwise, we're going to be in the same cycle. Like, So I was saying in theory it should be great for the NBA. In practice, uh, this year's finals are technically – up 4% from last year's game one, which obviously was in the middle of a pandemic, but down 43% from 2019 Warriors-Raptors. So this year it was 7.68 million in game one, uh, 7.68 million viewers. 2019 was 13.51, so like a pretty big drop. Um, and I think, you know, in terms of, we're, we're going to have to get into this with the MLB too, but the, the NFL does a good job of spreading out the star power wealth, and there's a lot of parity. And I think another thing that the NFL does well that the NBA does not do is it celebrates different play styles where like we get we can get just excited just as excited about Tyreek Hill going over the top of an entire defense as Derrick Henry like rushing for 15 yards and stiff arming the crap out of Josh Norman or who you know whoever it is uh, where I think the NBA really only celebrates like three point play even like it, it hardly celebrates dunks anymore in my opinion it's all about like what can you do behind the arc and, like, you don't really – I just don't think, like, the NBA's promotional materials and, like, highlights celebrate, like, good post play or a good mid-range game. And I think that is something that could help the NBA as well. So I kind of got off on a tangent in terms of overall mar- marketability. I think, in theory, it should be good, but you just need to – you need to still build up these stars in the in the off season as well. Otherwise, you're just going to get what you get this year where only seven point million people watch because they think oh this isn't as important you know what i mean i think there's something you mentioned there earlier too about parody um and how the nfl does a better job of that i think this like in some ways helps the nba go a little bit more in like the parody that the nfl has in which you know the talent's more spread out obviously it's like a weird year and that like everybody got injured i mean which i guess we can attribute to you know how short of an off season there was Mm -hmm. stuff like that but i do think i agree with you to the extent that like in theory this is good because the NFL is the most popular league. Part of the reason is that you could say a lot. Of, there are a lot of teams every year who have a shot to at least make the playoffs and make the title, and that was sort of how the NBA was this year. Like, if you ask somebody coming into the playoffs this year whether it would be a Bucks suns final, I don't think many people would have picked that. So, like, in that way, I think it's, like, really good for the sport in that, like, it at least keeps people engaged and, like, you don't just tune in for the LeBron-Steph finals for, you know, four straight years or whatever. Um, but I, I don't know either if this is like a perfect case of like looking at it necessarily in that, like, I don't know. People talk about markets a lot and there's some truth to that, but I also think this is like a, a weird one to measure too. Cause it's not like Milwaukee or Fe- and Phoenix are huge markets either. Um, in the sense that like, I don't know, there's just not as many people who are Bucks fans or Suns fans mm-hmm. as there are, uh, Lakers fans, Knicks fans, mm-hmm. and you know, even Warriors fans, obviously at this point. Um, 
So I think the fact that it grew, even when it's like two fairly small market teams, is like maybe a a possibly good sign for the NBA. And it's like you know more people than last year are still tuning in. Um, yeah, but even it... the I don't know. Well, I mean, when you look at the finals, is that like just American TV ratings from the Toronto Warriors one years ago? Do you know that? Oh, that's a good question. I don't. I do not know. Because I feel like that it might be a little bit of an outlier in the case that like. It, the whole nation of Canada has okay. just that one team. But I, like, I don't know. I bet if I looked up the 2018 finals, it was higher as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I think last, last year, it's hard to compare to 2020 because it was in the middle pandemic. So I don't know if you can say, oh, yeah, it went up. You know, that's a good sign when yeah, last but, when I mean, you're comparing against the pandemic season. Couldn't you say it's artificially inflated, though, last year? Because what did, else did we have to do, you know, like besides watch the NBA finals? Uh, we're stuck in our houses no i wouldn't say it's i don't wouldn't say it was artificially inflated it, w- it still went down six million or yeah six million from the previous year when people had more options so i don't know yeah i'm sorry yeah i just feel like a big argument of the like the ratings fall last year for the nba was that they're playing game like at least at the beginning of the playoffs with that, that they're playing games like midday and stuff like that yeah and the finals yeah. doesn't really have that excuse so I, yeah. I, like, I still do find it interesting, and this was something that confused me last year and still <laughs> kind of confounds me a bit, is how low they were last year. Um, so I do think like this year being up, I don't know if it means anything, but it's better than it being down. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, okay, so for context as well, the 2018 Game 1 uh, between Cavs and Warriors had 17.4 million viewers. Wow. So it's 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 annoying to me though that like people I wish more people did tune in when it's Devin Booker versus Giannis or what you know what I mean? It's just it doesn't have the like it doesn't have the same uh box like what what's the word? Poster yeah appeal, you know, like movie poster appeal that LeBron Steph does. But it's annoying because it's a shame for players like Devin Booker and Giannis who have Devin Booker at least especially has like a really exciting game. I think Giannis has a good exciting game as well. And it's a shame that people like we're it, honestly like I, I really think it is. We're just kind of taught. We're like taught to pay attention to like this is what an exciting game is. This is what an exciting play style mm-hmm. is. And this is what, what a boring play style is. It's like we're it's it's nurture. It's not nature. You know what I mean? Like the, we could change that is, is what I'm saying. I think we should celebrate more different play styles. And I think the NBA could could benefit a lot from that. But. Yeah. I mean, oh. I do, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say that like, I don't know if it's totally nature versus nurture, and again, I could just be so far into nurture at this point that it, you know, that yeah, it, you're in the matrix, my, my viewpoint, exactly, my viewpoint is very <laughs> skewed. But I just feel like the the three point ball is is so popular for a reason. It's like an impressive shot because it's so far away, as opposed to Giannis, you know, being two feet away and kind of just dumping it in. Um, I agree that dunks feel like they're less exciting than they used to be. That's kind of strange. But I do under like I feel like I can kind of inherently understand why a, a three point shot um, mm. is more exciting and more kind of risky at least than like a you know Giannis backing someone down and plopping it over their head. Uh, but uh. you need to go back to to backboards that can shatter. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's always gonna. Then be I'll a start risk. watching. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, so I, I was gonna just say well first of all. I was going to say, like, one reason, the main reason I didn't watch game one is that I had no idea Giannis was going to play. I checked the box score and the Bucks were losing, and I assumed he was not playing. 
Um, so I think the the NBA kind of wasn't able to market the finals quite as well as they would have liked, probably because they yeah. had no idea what his injury was. Um, but I also was going to say, like going off of what Aiden just mentioned, um, like as far as how the three point shots are actually more interesting, I think, like it, it, you mentioned the cycle earlier, right, where broadcasters talk about certain stars a lot, and that feeds into fans' like interest, right. But I think a lot of it is also like what fans want to hear about those players themselves. So like. As much as the NBA would probably want to market Devin Booker and Giannis more, I think there's like a lot of casuals, you could say, who literally just like want to hear more about LeBron mm-hmm. and want to hear more about like Kyrie, James Harden, Kevin Durant, <laughs> stuff on the Nets. And it's like... But that's because the yeah. narratives have already been built up, though. I think. Right, it's that, a catch, it can be a catch-22. I think finals, it is a catch-22. Yeah. How many finals can LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kawhi, and Kevin Durant make? Because at some point, LeBron James is going to retire, and these other guys aren't going to make the finals. Chris Paul LeBron's... and Giannis are still marketable players, and they're still mm-hmm. big names. And then other guys like Devin Booker and Chris Middleton can feed off of that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Giannis I, I don't has think won two that... MVPs, and he's still like not that. I, well I just don't think that he's not more... that marketable. I think that he is marketable. I think Chris Paul is very marketable. I think there are narratives yeah. sur- surrounding the uh, playoffs right now, or the the finals right now. So I don't know if I necessarily agree that these that there are no big names that there isn't anything to market. I think, at least for me personally, I just don't watch ESPN as much anymore. So I don't follow the little stories of dunks and, and big performances on like the ESPN's top 10. And I think that that could be a problem as far as marketability goes when it comes to the other people and finding teams that you might like to enjoy and different play styles. But as far as like this final is concerned, I think that they're, they're just fine as far as the people that they can market. Oh, yeah. I guess it goes back to what Jared was saying: is are they marketing them correctly? Then something is wrong. <laughs> I heard this theory that um, the reason the small markers aren't aren't marketed is because the talking heads like don't want to watch those uh, as many games. They don't want to have to watch those games. <laughs> so like they they don't talk that. about those games because they don't watch them. That. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, who among us is watching? You know. <laughs> Me. Exactly. <laughs> well, no, but that's the Every thing, day. though. The NFL on a Sunday, I will, I will watch a freaking Jaguars Titan games on, on yeah, Sunday. You know what I mean? If it's on, I'm, I'm watching it. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's, it's, it's also just yeah. a completely different sport, though. Yeah, and like different timelines. Yeah, there's some but, stuff you just can't yeah. fix. No, I definitely think that's fair. I think another thing, though, that could be contributing to the this like not being a super hyped finals is the fact that it doesn't feel like either team has like a ton of momentum going into it. Not that either team has been unimpressive, um, but like the Bucks, for example, they beat the Heat in round one. That was probably their most impressive series to date. Um, they beat a, a pretty hobbled, like essentially just KD Nets team in round two, um, and then they beat the five seed in the the fi- in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, they didn't look amazing or anything. It wasn't like wow, the Bucks are going on some run. Um, yeah. And I think the Suns like have had a potentially a better run, but they just beat the Clippers who were without Kawhi. It was like a pretty, like, I didn't feel particularly engaged in the series because Kawhi was out. It didn't feel like it was, you know, both teams at their best kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't th- feel like, I feel like you could have had a narrative if the Suns had, you know, been, had beat like a full strength Lakers team and a full strength Clippers team that like, whoa, like they're going on this run. This is like an awesome thing to watch. And like, I don't think that's there because of all the injuries, which, I mean, it goes back to all that injury stuff. But yeah. Okay, then Aiden, I'm going to ask you this. Do you think mm-hmm. the 2019 Toronto team is more interesting, and why, than the uh, 
uh, this year's bucket uh, bucks. Um, I'm gonna call them bucks. I don't think they're necessarily more interesting. No, I mean they're playing a like Steph. So or because they the, played against you know, a hobbled Steph yeah. or Warrior team with just Steph yeah. Curry. Kevin Durant went down. Yeah. Clay Thompson wasn't there at all. Yep. <clears throat> and they were, yeah. uh, and they were arguably more interesting, you could say. Yeah. But I don't understand what the difference would be this year. No, that's a fair point. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I guess Kawhi is maybe a more engaging superstar. Kawhi kind of took on that superstar status during that run. Mm-hmm. Um, but but no, I think you're right. But yeah, this this isn't super different in the in the finals case. You know? yeah. I'm looking at that. I mean, they, did, they played the 76ers and the Bucks, both of whom, like they had Embiid was healthy, right? Ben Simmons was healthy. Giannis was healthy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it definitely good. felt like the so Raptors like had, a, had a legitimate run to the finals um but yeah you're right why that the actual finals i guess were were not yeah is that when jimmy was still in the sixers too it was yeah yeah Yeah. so that was that that was was one of the most compelling yeah 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 yeah. if the sixers had won that they would have won the whole thing probably okay we're gonna send lucas into a a deep depression here if we keep talking yeah (laughs) (laughs) that that kawaii shot lives in my memory forever at the end (laughs) yeah well speaking of things that are interesting um, if we're going to push some narratives for these finals, you know, get the NBA to market them. What do we think are some like of the most interesting narratives going into the finals? Uh, de- I would definitely say one is Chris Paul finally getting a ring. That's like yeah. with all the talk on when he was on the Clippers about how he was like, you know, it's kind of like the Russell Westbrook thing where he's like really good in the regular season and then he always falters in the playoffs and he, like they never even made the conference finals with him. And now he's like, what is he, like 35? And he's finally going to get his ring as the quote-unquote point god. I think the NBA is definitely going to be happy with that if he gets one. They've definitely been pushing that. Or at least ESPN has yes. been pushing that, which is understandable. It's a fun era. Mm-hmm. Yeah, LeBron tweeted out last night like a show of support for him as well. So I think that gets, uh, oh. gets the people uh, going as well. Friends <laughs> supporting each other on Twitter. We, we love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if Giannis wins one, I guess that's like also kind of. I think people would be very happy to see Giannis win one as a two-time Not MVP. Me. I would have Crow because then why would Crow. be wrong? That's why. No, I, I'm right. I want the Bucks to lose so that way they can get better. That's why. So that Giannis can go and work on an offensive game. And okay, fire right. coach okay. Bud. A classic addition by subtraction. <laughs> Well, Bud, if Bud probably is gone if they lose. He has to be. He has to be gone. Might even really? be gone if they win. I, what? I, I, really? What? Yeah, I, mean, I don't think. No way. Good. They fire a guy who wins the NBA Finals. Yeah. 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 I, I could imagine actually. No. I mean, whether they should or not, you know, it's another question. But I don't. But why? But why not? But well, why not? Because because they can get better. I, I don't believe like, the yeah. Yeah, yeah, the like, did no. no, who cares about the Octaves? I don't believe the Bucks deserve to be there. I think they got a lucky break. <laughs> oh, they did. They did get lucky. But they yeah, still, they on yeah. paper, made the finals. Like Okay. Or won the yeah, finals. Plenty of, this, yeah, plenty of... There are a lot of teams that make the finals. Two every year. Like, it happens. They're fluke teams. That has never happened they don't want to be a fluke right? team, like, they have to I'm change some sure things. They have, to, they have to get rid of their coach. <laughs> Greg Popovich to the Bucks. I'm calling it. Man. Whoa! That'd be wild. Pops. That that would be wild. Oh god. Um, I believe that. Okay. Well, now that we've discussed the NBA, we're gonna move into a little bit of baseball. Um, yeah. talk about Shohei Otani. 
Arguably the greatest player in the MLB, maybe even in MLB history. Uh, <laughs> Let's calm down. <laughs> I, I will. But he is leading the league with home runs at 31. Um, according to Jared, he's the first person in MLB history to make the all-star team as both a hitter and a pitcher. Um, and he, along with baseball in general, still doesn't have much marketability. We're big on the marketability today <laughs> how we deal with sports. So, Aiden, what do you think the MLB can better do to market stars like Otani? And what can it borrow from the NBA and the NFL in its strategies? Dude, we're just pitching like sports leagues on hiring us as consultants. At this point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've given up on the we, whole. We charge like thing, seventy an hour. Or something crazy. <laughs> yeah. Seventy thousand. Yeah. Exactly. That's the only, like, <laughs> that's per that person. One. That's per per podcast uh-huh. member. But anyway, um, I mean, I think there are a lot of factors here. I mean, one, Otani hasn't been around that long and has had a tough time staying healthy. This is like his first, like, there's been a lot of hype, I feel like, this season around him being a two-way player and being successful at it. Um, and the reason why that hype is there is because he hasn't really done that yet up at this point in his career. Um, as a hitter, he played less than 110 games in 2018, 2019, um, just like three quarters of the games last year. Uh, well, this year is pretty much played every day as a position player. Um, but as like a pitcher, it's been even worse. Like, he started 12 games this year which matches his total over the first three years of his career he had tommy john surgery at the end of his rookie year um he struggled with injuries throughout he just he hasn't really been a two-way player up to this point he's been mostly a position player um and a position player who hasn't really always been on the field anyway um so i do think there's there's going to be an element of becoming a star takes some time um i think it also probably doesn't help that he's not the biggest name even on his team um Mm -hmm. which is yeah kind of funny just because like i feel like i feel like he's potentially the best player in baseball right now but the only other you know the other guy who would you know kind of have that claim um uh, besides Degrom, obviously um is, <laughs> is honesty um with that said though i mean it's a fair point that like if you look at jersey sales he's not top 20 at the moment which is weird that's um, crazy that's mm-hmm. like that doesn't make a whole lot of sense um and like we've been over before the fact that baseball isn't very star driven you know eight other guys have to hit um, it's not like in basketball where you can, you know, feed the guy who's dominant. Um, everyone's going to have the same number of chances. A starter is going to pitch every five games. Um, that's not great for kind of boosting that star power. Um, but it does kind of feel like they can do more. Um, I do think the, yeah, the international presence is one of, one of those things. The NBA is obviously really good at that. Um, even if it, you know, leads to moral quandaries, um, at LeBron. Um, but like they're like... I don't, I don't know how much the MLB really markets itself um, to other, like, other areas besides the U.S., really. Um, and a bunch of other countries, uh, like, there's a, a good Japanese league, there's a good Korean league, um, where, you know, Otani would have, obviously, a presence. Um, like, those are there, um, and it, I don't know how much the, the MLB is a footprint there. Um, with this, with that said, though, in terms of, like, creating stars, I think the MLB has done a lot of kind of crappy things over the last couple of years in the name of like unwritten rules of baseball and like not kind of backing like entertaining young stars. And this is a little less about Otani than like, you know, guys like Fernando Tatis Jr. And, you know, Ronald Acuna Jr. And stuff like that. Like guys who like are kind of charismatic and could lead, like have a marketability um, that, you know, like certain players in the NBA or the NFL have kind of have like a, a persona uh, to them. 
that like the MLB doesn't feel like they're pushing it enough and that like anytime they like actually exercise that persona they're like oh you just broke some unwritten rule of baseball like we're gonna hit you in the face <laughs> of the next you, yeah, pitch. Exactly. um so like, I, I feel like that's um that's one of the reasons why the mlb doesn't feel like it creates these huge stars because a big part of a lot of stars is their like you know ego to some extent or just you know their kind of personality um yeah and i'm not sure that the mlb the mlb feels like they kind of stifle that um to some degree with a lot of those young stars um but honestly in general the whole otani that like i think they're i think over time he will you know breach the top 20 in terms of jerseys and stuff like that um it definitely seems like he's getting a lot of coverage at the moment from all the major media outlets as he should um but it is kind of confusing why he hasn't taken on like a, a serious star status at that point at this point so yeah See, this is this is the MLB doesn't need to borrow from the NBA and NFL. The team it needs the the league it needs to borrow from is Formula One. I'm telling you, they they need wow. to do they need to do like an F1 Drive to Survive style series, like or maybe a couple of their small market teams or something like that. Do a series. It's really about like creating narratives within the natural drama of sports and having the live like an executive said the live sports unit. And the documentary series unit should be like talking to one another and feeding into each other. I mean, mm-hmm. I, it's worked from personal experience. It has turned me into like a legit Formula One fan. Yeah, I watch the races every week now. I I would not. I I would be pretty. I'd be willing to bet that if if some nice like Premier League or like documentary comes out that is like on the front page of Netflix, and I watch that, I'll I'll become like a Premier League fan too and wake up at like freaking five a.m. and watch those games too. Yeah, or like if NASCAR did something right. And I, I, I feel like yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was like, I, I feel like baseball is kind of primed to do that too because of like, like I mm. feel like a lot of the the Formula One series is appeal or what I've enjoyed about it is guys kind of fighting for their spot, right? Fighting to stay mm-hmm. um, as a driver in the you know the the twenty mm. spots that there are. Um, and baseball kind of has that, not necessarily with the stars. This isn't mm-hmm. going to affect Otani per se, um, but there's the minor leagues, right? They're guys who are going to get shuffled back and forth between AAA and the MLB or get cut essentially and set down all the time those are Mm storylines that could be there that aren't necessarily there and like they're there in football training camp um they're not really there in basketball that much i mean guys sometimes get pulled up from the g league or whatever but um like i feel like those story like you could create a series (laughs) like that or some kind of thing that you know kind of gives that you know some narratives to the sport um so yeah and I think I think the the MLB should say forget ESPN, go really heavy into like some other alternative. Like you, you, uh, Formula One is super big into YouTube. Like they have a really strong YouTube presence. Um, and honestly, so like the the narratives when we talk about like creating narratives, the narratives are already there. Like the MLB Network, their shows are really good actually, and like they they do like a really good job in terms of like all right, this is what we should be paying attention to tonight. And like, this is like a story that's been brewing in the league for two weeks. And it's not like unwritten rule stuff. It's like, nobody's paying attention to this player or like what this player doing is, is doing is unprecedented or whatever. The narratives are already there. They're just not getting the eyeballs. I think they need to like, kind of do like, forget like kind of like MLB network. What needs to maybe like, I don't know how they do it, but you know, get a little bit more market share. The narratives are already there and they do a really good job. Actually. I think, on MLB network of getting me like excited about the intricacies of baseball. Cause really it's just about teaching, teaching people the sport 
and seeing why why is it interesting to be watching the sport, and you'll get it. I think you know. Well, they need that Nickelodeon partnership that the NFL went for a couple of years, or, or not a couple of years ago, this year, uh, where they kind of just walk through the game. But Jerry, I think you said it earlier. The best way, the best thing that baseball could do would be like a hard knock series mm-hmm. of MLB, where they just go through and they they look at some of the bottom teams, they create narratives around them, and then they make it interest, interesting. So that way, those AAA players, like Aiden said, are, who shuffle back and forth are known and you can hear their stories yeah. and you can hear a lot of their things mm-hmm. or they do more uh, things that they did when they did spring training and they mic'd up the players and mm-hmm. you got to hear the personalities because sure. then they didn't carry that on anywhere else because I think that I do agree that I think that baseball in the self like in the fundamentals of the sport is very boring but I think that there is a lot of things that are, are interesting and this is going to sound really bad there's the fighting and there's the cheating. And those are like the biggest things that happen in baseball. Baseball is like a <laughs> cheater sport at this point. Oh Not saying that they, should, they should let everybody cheat, which I don't know. Maybe that's an idea. But <laughs> maybe they should kind of lean into maybe a little bit more of the not your mom and dad's, uh, you know, baseball game, the old fashioned game that was before. Yeah. Yeah. One thing there are storylines yeah. that you can create yeah. in there. Yeah. While being yeah. safe enough and not saying, oh, continue cheating, but you can still create some stuff, you know? Yeah. Because they pretty much just avoided the Astros altogether when they, started, when they <laughs> were talking true. about them. Yeah. They're like, yeah, let's, let's forget that happened. Um, but, but yeah. Also, one thing to note, though, is that I'm not sure, like, the whole, like, lack of marketability thing is backed up by numbers. Like, if you look at, look at like, viewership numbers, like MLB TV, for instance, which, like, is how a lot of teams stream their games... Like, it's up from 2020 by, like, 20%. It's up from 2019 by 40%. Um, oh. So, like, there, yeah. I mean, the, like, there are, like, ES, ESPN's, like, Sunday Night Baseball has also seen increases uh, over the past two years. So, like, I'm that kind of surprises me, to be honest. But I think yeah. there could also be a degree of, like, perception of what sports we kind of pay attention to and what um, kind of the divide between that and what, you know, kind of... The, the country is doing or the world is doing um yeah but, but I, I don't think that changes the fact that we st- stars in baseball are not as well known as stars in other sports or in in nba kind of nfl yeah do you think part of that has to do with the fact that it seems like stars see less success in the mlb than they do in other sports so yeah. like lebron is never make is never not you know getting at least close to the finals. Tom Brady is all the rings. Like, it's the classic, just, like, discussion of how, like, Trout and Otani do, like, these crazy things, and they lose all the time. Like, do you think the fact that the yeah. baseball stars have less impact on the game just because of the nature of the game just inherently hurts their marketability, and unless yeah. they're doing something crazy, like, you know, like, when there was a home run chase in the steroids arrows yeah. to McGuire, like, it's hard to yeah. sort of market your stars if they're not winning. Yeah. Yes. And the like along those lines, Lucas, I feel like you also see a lot of baseball players have like one off or two off seasons that hurt their ability mm-hmm. to kind of gain star status. Like I feel like when yeah. someone starts mm-hmm. averaging 20, 25 points a game in the NBA, you very rarely see them kind of um, like fall back quickly. Whereas it's pretty normal to see a guy in the MLB have like a 300 batting average one year and then fall to, you know, 230 the next or, you know, be a, a good pitcher yeah. with like a two something ERA and then boost up to four whatever the next year um like i think there's also a degree of like like randomness slash inconsistency with it um that makes it harder for guys to like have sustained success which leads to that kind of star status 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you're not playing in October, you know, when the most eyeballs are there, it's it's mm-hmm. got to hurt. Yeah, for sure. It's yeah. Back to like uh, Mike yeah. Trout yeah. and Shohei. Like I, I like going back to the NBA. I I don't think I've ever really watched Devin Booker play until this year, really. <laughs> to be honest. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was the bubble god last year. Exactly. Like how I was admitting you're a casual. <laughs> I am I am a yeah, casual yeah. NBA fan. I will admit. <laughs> well, speaking of people who aren't casuals, Joey Chestnut oh, no. has no <laughs> rival. <laughs> this past weekend. Joey Chestnut won the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. Pounding back, <laughs> count them, 76 hot dogs count in 10 minutes. And though the moment was ruined by ESPN's broadcast, which cut out it multiple times, Mr. Chestnut, who, quote, had crazy dreams after the event, has won 14 of the last 15 hot dog eating contests and now has more combined titles than Tom Brady and Michael Jordan. Brady is 7, Jordan is 6, add them up, you get 13. One less than Joey Chestnut has, and that's got us thinking. Bart, what athletes in the history of sports or just any competition come close to Chestnut's level of dominance? Give us some names of some people who similarly have no rival. I didn't really think about this earlier. Can I just say that comparing, like, completely arbitrarily comparing the NFL to random guys from the NFL and the NBA to Joey Chestnut? Random. I mean, well. not random, but they're two random <laughs> sports. Anyways, okay, yeah, I have, I have a few names for you. I'm curious to see who you guys think I might have missed. Um, I'm going to go reverse chronologically. So first, currently, I'm going to say Simone Biles has to be up there. Uh, yeah, 25 world medals, 19 world gold medals. And in 2018, she was the first gymnast in like 30 years to win a, a medal in every single gymnastics event. Wow. Uh, so she's, she, yeah, she's won the all-around thing in gymnastics five times. So she's just like really, really good, and she's really good at everything, apparently. And we talked about this before. She seemingly is like going to be good for a while still, longer than gymnasts usually are. So that's cool. Uh, there's going to be a lot of Olympics talk here. Before Simone Biles, I'm going to throw it back to Usain Bolt. I think he's another one that you have to mention. Uh, I mean, yeah, we all know his story. Eight-time Olympic gold. He set the record in the 100-meter and the 200-meter. Um, and he won those both of those events for three straight Olympics, which is nuts. Like, nobody was able to dethrone him, basically, until his body just said, I'm too old for this. <laughs> so, him. Another person in a similar vein, I'm going to say Michael Phelps is up there. Because uh, he did it for even longer. He was dominant for four straight Olympics, which is insanity. I was looking at this. For the, for the four Olympics that he was good, he won six gold medals, eight gold medals, four gold medals, and then five gold medals. It's insanity. He was just so good at everything for so long. Obviously, you guys probably know the stat. He is the leader all time in Olympic medals and Olympic gold medals. So that's that's probably he's probably got one of the best arguments actually for most dominant athlete ever. Um, before him, another person who was up there, Wayne Gretzky. We've talked about him a lot, so I don't want to go into this too much. But eight eight straight MVPs, nine nine all time. He never missed an All Star game in twenty seasons. I didn't know wow. this until I was looking. <laughs> he's just crazy. And then there's the classic stat where he leads the NHL all-time in goals, points, or goals, assists, and points. And even if he took away his goals, he'd still lead in points, which yeah. is insane. That's crazy. So, yeah, he was probably, yeah, actually. Anyways, and then lastly, one person that I want to throw back to that I, don't, I didn't really know who this was until I was looking this up, Margaret Court, woman's tennis player. Maybe Aiden recognizes that name, but otherwise, nope. she she was she was like pre-open era, so maybe it disqualifies her. But she won 24 Grand Slam titles, which is the, the record all-time for women. And over her career, she won like 91.3% of her games. 
Wow. Uh, and she won like 91% also of her um, like open finals appearances. She was 11 and 1 in those. So as far as championships go, she's almost as good at it as Joey Chestnut was. So those were the five people that I thought are worth calling out that I'd miss anybody. Uh, can I put someone on there? Mm-hmm. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> After I asked, did I miss anybody? Well, I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, I'm going to throw in Matthias Rustemeyer, who at one point held 31 of the 32 Mario Kart 64. Oh, yeah. From, from record. <laughs> That's a king if I've ever seen one. Yeah. Um, he never got 32 or 32, but Joey Chestnut didn't get 15 straight. So we let everybody have their one. If you want to make the venture into esports, yeah. then <laughs> it's a scary, yeah, yeah. A big door day. To open. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I had Phelps, Biles, and Gretzky as my others besides the besides Matthias. Yeah, yeah. No, I had my top three as yeah Biles, Phelps, and Bolt. So um, the four I have is Serena because uh, in yeah. terms of um, yeah, I mean she's. I think she's spent it's 245 weeks at, as the number one ranked tennis player in her career, and during that period, the the closest active player in terms of reaching that record was Caroline Wozniacki with 67 weeks, um, which is pretty crazy. Um, she won 90% of her matches during that period. Serena, um, she's yeah, she's reached the finals in over half of the tournaments that she was entered in. Uh, that's that's, that's crazy. pretty crazy. Um, so so yeah, I think she. Also deserves a mention. She was she was what made me discover Margaret Court. Mm. I was gonna I was gonna cite her, but then yeah. Anyway. Margaret Court yeah. wins out. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I mean I don't even know. I think Serena actually has just as valid a claim. No, I, I didn't realize Bart that Serena didn't hold the um, Grand Slam record. That it's yeah. Yeah, but again, yeah, po- yeah. open era, she definitely does. Yeah. Yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> would think, but, but yeah, I thought it's very impressive for Margaret. Yeah. Anybody else? Any names you want to throw out there? Me. I okay. am undefeated. No, <laughs> nobody here can hold a candlestick to what is the burning bonfire of hot takes that I have to provide. So I think I top the list as having no rivals. And just throwing burning, out burning metaphors as well. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, Wyatt. Well, now back, back to real life. <laughs> oh, wait, I thought you were about to give us a hot take. You're saying you're on a No, team. I said oh, I'm on a team. Yeah, that's his hottest take yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's got to pick him carefully. You never know when he's going to give it Yeah, the book, pick, it, the book it doc would say otherwise. What? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to finish off today with some college football. Um, famed uh, college football journalist Phil Steele, maybe a one day friend of the pod. Became one of the first to release his preseason college football rankings this past week. Mm. So I've hand selected seven teams in that top twenty-five, and we're going to either list whether they're overrated or underrated in these rankings. We'll start off at the top. Aiden, Oklahoma, number one, overrated, underrated. It's it's hard to be underrated as number one, so you can has <laughs> <laughs> to be rated. Um, but... Um, I'm sadly going to put Oklahoma overrated, though I don't think by much. Um, I'm not sold on them as number one, mainly because I feel like it should be Bama until proven otherwise. I know Bama has lost Mac Jones, um, but that's Mm. this is not new territory Mm. for them losing a QB um, and you know still getting better. Um, So 
I, like I think Bammer should still be number one. Um, Spencer Rattler is very good. Yes, um, the team was pretty impressive last year after starting like one and two. I think they won like eight straight or something. So that's that's legit. Um, and their defense is returning a bunch of good players. So that won't be like their super big weakness as it usually is. Um, so I do think like Oklahoma is um, like a favorite to to make the top four. Is it going to be top four next year? I guess it still will be, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, but um, I, I don't think they, they warrant number one just yet. So, what do you think, Bart? I think that you should cite your sources because you seem to have gotten a copy of my notes and just <laughs> said it all. Hacked so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I was going to say the exact same thing. It's Alabama until proven otherwise. I just want to add that, like, as far as Mac Jones is concerned, um, Bryce Young has the potential to be even better. I don't think people are like people are sleeping on how good he might be at quarterback. He might be their first like really stud quarterback in a while. So I'm excited to see how they do. Yeah, I don't think Bama's probably going to go undefeated. I think Oklahoma has a smaller chance of doing that. So I don't see them being number one at the end. Okay. Uh, next, we're going to move on to a team um, that is very dear <laughs> to many of our hearts. Uh, University of Notre Dame Fighting Irish came out at number seven in Phil Steele's rankings. And I'll get started and say that I think that they're a little overrated. What? I hate <laughs> to say it. I truly do. Um, one, I'm always a Notre Dame football pessimist. But True. I think there are just so many question marks on the offense, you know, which always seems to be the worst of the two for Notre Dame, especially <laughs> in recent years, um, which often play excellent defense but mediocre offense. Um, I think the offense might be just, like, straight up bad this year. Like, they lost nine starters on offense mm. and four on the offensive line. Offensive line, two, worth noting, is now sponsored by Mission Barbecue. Every single member of the Notre Dame <laughs> offensive line is now sp- uh, sponsored by Mission Barbecue. So maybe that'll help them. But I'm not convinced Jack Cohn at quarterback is the answer either. He was, like, good enough at Wisconsin, 70% completion percentage. But he doesn't really seem to have too much big playability, which is always Notre Dame's issue as well. I just, like not trusting that he'll slot in and be like great, especially between an off or behind an offensive line that lost four guys from last year. Kyron Williams at running back might be the savior. I think he's definitely like going to be the highlight of the offense next year. Um, but I'm not convinced other than that they will be any good and he won't be able to shine if their line is bad. And although it's typically one of the best in the country, losing four guys is never easy. Um, the defense, I think will be really good and solid again. Um, I love, New coordinator Marcus Freeman comes over from Cincinnati. Um, and Kyle Hamilton is definitely a star at the safety position, mm-hmm. probably high first round pick next year in the NFL draft. Uh, but overall to me this feels more like a nine and three or an eight and four, like ranked number fourteen team, as opposed to a team that's number seven. So I think the offense wow. takes them down. What if Tyler Buckner uh, play, starts playing though? I don't Who? know. That. <laughs> He's a freshman, he hasn't played yet, Wyatt. Yeah, we'll see. I think he'll be really good two, three years from now, but <laughs> at the moment, I don't know. Uh, but why? What do you think? Notre Dame overrated, underrated? In all caps, overrated. <laughs> Notre Dame is a nothing to prove to me that they deserve to sit so comfortably inside the top ten at number seven. I I understand that they're one of the bigger names in college football, but they've been overrated year in and year out, and they're just as overrated as Jared's beloved Dallas Cowboys or. We could, depends on what time of the year you talk about them. The Texas Longhorns, right? <laughs> We're gonna watch them flame out 
some point, late game in a crunch time. So I look forward to seeing it when they are overrated into somewhere above seven. But I think they deserve to be farther down at like nine or ten and have to earn their way back up to number four rather than sit so comfortably at number seven. <laughs> Why do you use the word comfortably when it's like a rando's preseason ranking? <laughs> No, comfortably in Phil's How yeah, dare you call? I know, I know, but they're not. They're not friend of the pod. Formal in yeah, exactly. How dare you call a friend of the pod a rando? That's wow. <laughs> a rando friend of the pod. I was just. A, <laughs> Do we know this guy? Do we really know this guy? <laughs> yeah, no. personally. No, we he, have a... <laughs> he releases like a whole magazine on college football every year. I used to read it as a kid. Yeah. He's like genuinely like. Oh, you've known him since you were a kid, huh? Yeah, yeah. Wow. The first thing I, yeah. Every morning, the first Sorry, thing I do is text Phil everything <laughs> last night before I go to bed. Text Phil. It's just, it's just part of the routine. Yeah. Well, Phil, if you're listening, yeah. you suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a terrible point. spot to put in there. All right. Well, now that we've alienated alienated Phil Steele from the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> Bart, Iowa State, number eight. What do you think? Uh, I th- I think that I would like to be able to just say rated. <laughs> That was not presented as an option. <laughs> Jared disagrees. I'm going to yeah. say, if anything, if anything, they're slightly overrated, but, like, slightly. Uh, I think there's, I, like, honestly, I, looking at their schedule, I think they could go one loss or two losses. Uh, consistency, or, excuse me, continuity is the name of the game for Iowa State this year. 11 starters back on offense, 9 back on defense. That's, like, basically the whole team. That's crazy. Their quarterback is in his fourth season. Uh, they're running back, what's his name? Uh, Brees Hall is one of the best running backs in the nation. So I think their offense is going to be terrific, and their defense supposedly is also pretty good. So I like I don't think that they're going to be challenged too much. Their game against Iowa, I think, will dictate things because it's week two. They haven't beaten Iowa in like six years or something like that. If they beat them, it bodes well, and I think they're going to have a really good season. If they lose, then they're probably going to end up losing like four or five games. But I think – I don't think eight is unreasonable. But <clears throat> eight and 45. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going underrated. Yeah, I'm, I'm fairly high on Iowa State wow. because of a, a lot of the reasons yeah. that you mentioned, Bart. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, book something. Yeah. Wait, what? Book, book something. <laughs> <laughs> I was tempted to book them like taking down Oklahoma, but I don't know if that'll be true. I like I, They had a very good second half last year. As Bart said, they're returning a bunch of starters. Um, they split with Oklahoma last year, winning in the regular season, but falling in the Big 12 championship. Most of their toughest games are at home, Texas, Iowa, Oklahoma State, TCU. Um, they do have to go to Oklahoma, though, uh, which is obviously going to be the matchup to watch. I think that's pretty late in the year. That's going to be a, a pretty hype one if both teams are like in position to win the Big 12 at that point. Uh, because like obviously last year, the Big 12 team you know, champion didn't make the playoff. I feel like they generally will, though. Um, so I, I do think Oklahoma and Iowa State are the, like, are the two I'd be most high on. I think Iowa State has a very legitimate shot at taking down Oklahoma for that title. Yeah, I'm excited. I think the selection committee is going to keep Iowa State and Oklahoma in the top four, both of them, just so that way that game is more interesting when it comes down to it. Oh, I mean, if sure. they're both... On, and then uh, one will pretty, drop down to yeah, like seven. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Well, uh, we're going to move on next. A little further down the rankings. Number 13. <laughs> Uh, where we find the University of Southern California, USC, as some know them. Wyatt, tell me, overrated, underrated at 13? Very overrated. This doesn't actually make any sense to me, because if Oregon is sitting at 19 and Arizona is sitting at 21, spoiler, uh, then does that mean that USC is predicted to win the Pac-12? Because I don't actually know who's above them, but 
I it did. They haven't really been good in a long time, if you ask me. And they always kind of seem to sit somewhere in the twenties to twenty-five. So I imagine they're going to fall back to the twenty and twenty-five somewhere in the first three weeks. This isn't the Sam Darnold and Juju Smith-Schuster era of, of USC. They've they have nobody who I can even name. Era. Honestly. <laughs> but I mean, they just, I, I don't believe that USC and nothing's proven to me that USC is able to beat Oregon, Washington, Washington state or Arizona's both of them. So no, overrated Bart. I'm right there with you. I also think they're overrated. Um, I'll grant them this, that, uh, Slovis, is that how you say his name? Slovis yeah. Slavis is Slovis. primed to have a, a great year, but, um, <clears throat> they lost a couple of their best wide receivers in the draft they lost uh, Elijah Vera Tucker on the line, and their offensive line was apparently kind of pitiful last season already. So I'm not optimistic for their offense. And also last season, their biggest issue was consistency. Um, like, I think it was two or three of their games they had, they depended on, like, fourth quarter, like, very late game comebacks to win. They had a bunch of close games. So, like, I, they just don't really inspire a ton of confidence in me. They don't seem, you know, particularly dominant in any way. So I think, thir- or, yeah, 13 is... Probably high for them. I, I see them winning, excuse me, losing like four or five games, which would probably put them more in like the lower teens. Or unranked. Oh, or that too. <laughs> maybe they'll maybe they'll have a losing season. Just <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, we're gonna move to Wyatt's favorite team, uh, <laughs> or the one at least his favorite against Notre Dame, the Penn State Nittany Lions, and we'll go over to you, Wyatt. At fourteen, is Penn State uh, overrated <laughs> or underrated? I'm just going to say that maybe we should have swapped Penn State and Notre Dame because they are underrated at 14. They're probably the, one, the second best team in the in the Big Ten, which is the best com- one of the best conferences. They're one of the more <laughs> blue-collar team. One of the more blue-collar teams in the country. And they're hard to beat. right? So they would definitely wipe the floor with a, a team like ND with the gold helmets. Stop. Stop. <laughs> and they always have a shot every year to win the win the Big Ten. I hate to say it over my... They did not have a shot last year, Wyatt. They were terrible. Yeah, they started winless, but they ended really well. Uh, something Notre Dame can't ever say about their seasons. So I think oh that uh, Penn State is should be very proud of where they are. And this is, I know I read it. I read the article. This is a prove-it ranking for them. And I think they're definitely going to prove it and find their way into the top six. <laughs> no, this is over. This is easily an overrated. They're, per, they're like the perennially overrated their national title draw is even longer than Notre Dame's, but of course nobody <laughs> talks about that, do they? They get all the credit every year. They're like, oh, yeah, this is Penn State's year. They don't really get the hate that like Texas and Notre Dame do for like being back or whatever, and Penn State's not back. They win they win their little Cotton Bowl or whatever, or their, the little Rose Bowl, and that's cute, but they, they, they don't make the college football playoff. But they win their bowl games, Jared. Notre oh, Dame well, does. We, we would win, too, if we played against freaking Memphis. I don't believe that. Hey, we no, would. No group of six hate on this podcast. Yeah, oh my exactly. God. It's not hate, it's the truth. <laughs> or group of five, not group of six. You know what I mean. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, speaking of teams we hate, or at least Jared hates, we're going to go Oregon Ducks, number 19. Yeah. I kind of like them a little bit more now because they're not <gasps> as good, but I definitely did not okay. like them when they were like when everybody all of a sudden came out of the woodworks to be a Ducks fan back in this area. Fair. But uh, I, I'm going to say actually slightly underrated. I think they are going to be one of the – they definitely will be like one of the top two or three teams in the Pac-12. But they also were kind of a mess last year. And they like – they did not really play very good fundamental uh, football. Like I, I especially remember the game against Washington State. They did not look very good. 
but I do think Mario Cristobal is like a really good, a really great coach, offensive uh, offensive line minded, and they'll be able to have like a, a pretty kind of good run game that Oregon usually has. Um, so we'll see. They they definitely have to get some more out of the quarterback position though, for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm also gonna say underrated. I think I think fairly underrated here. Like not not just barely. I think like this this dude Phil uh, and I don't know why I'm calling him this dude. Our friend Phil um, <laughs> had had the uh, had UW at nine, I believe, yeah, which seems high. pretty high for a team that went like eight and five in 2019, three and one last year. They looked fine last year, but he was very high on them. I think it's going to be essentially a toss-up between UW and USC and Oregon and such as to who actually wins the Pac-12. Whoever is the winner is going to be top 10, without a doubt. I think Oregon has a serious shot at that. Um, they also play Ohio State in the second game of the season, so that would be a pretty wild game to vault them up um, mm. into the top 10 if if they happen to, to catch OSU at a point where they're not yet used to um, a Justin Fields-less life. Um, so I'm, I'm, I think the, the ducks, um, have a better shot or at least have just as good a shot at the PAC 12, uh, title as USC and UW, you know, and potentially Arizona state. We'll see. Yeah. Well, speaking of Arizona mm-hmm. state, they're our last team. They came in in Phil's rankings at number 21 and I'll get us started on Arizona state. Um, so coming in, I was gonna, definitely going to say overrated. They were two and two last year. And I think in the Herm Edwards era, because they have that flashy name coach, they're consistently overrated. But I think, after looking into it a little more, they might actually be appropriately or a little underrated mm. uh, this year. Um, but they've got some things going for them. Last year, they led the Pac-12 in both scoring offense and scoring defense. Uh, they return a lot of guys on both sides of the ball, 15 starters uh, returning. <laughs> Their 2-2 two two record is like a little bit of a misnomer because they blew a one, one of USC's big comebacks at the end was to Arizona State. So you could probably say their record was more like 3-1 and one on like a balance of things if they didn't collapse. On, yeah, you know, it's it's <laughs> it's a stretch maybe. But um, the rushing offense is especially insane. They returned 4-5 or five on the O-line. And Donovan West, their first option running back, led college football in yards per carry last year uh, with 10.0 yards per carry. So they've got a lot good going for them. On offense, they have a bunch of guys returning on defense. Um, as previously mentioned, their defense was really good last year. I think a lot of it ends up being contained, contingent on their quarterback, Jaden Williams, who even his own coaches say has sort of underperformed expectations in recent years. Mm. But I think they're maybe a little underrated. I think they could be a sneaky good team next year. Mm. Lunch Jared, um, I think they're overrated. Uh, I, I think they just haven't shown me any consistency yet. I know they're returning like 15 starters or whatever and you know, you already cited that they have the the top. They had the top scoring offense and scoring defense in the Pac-12. But yeah, you know, in four games, I'm not sure how much weight I'm going to put into that. As well as the fact that like Jaden Daniels, I've seen him play. He's a very exciting player, but also inconsistent. He's really, I don't know if he's had too many injury problems, but he's very he's very skinny. He 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 definitely looks like he he would be brittle. Uh, so I, I'm I'm I would be worried about that through a full twelve uh twelve game season, right? And um, especially with yeah, I just think like the teams we've already listed. There's at least four other teams in the Pac-12 better than them, so I'm a little worried about just just them showing consistency that we haven't seen yet. So I'm gonna go overrated. I think that, I think if I were to bet today, I think they would finish outside of the top 25. But. 
Yeah. Okay. I'm excited to see how it does end up, though, for sure. I, I, I think the Pac-12 is going to be really exciting this year with a full season, unless they decided that they only play in three games or something. But, yeah, we'll see. Anyway, that is going to conclude our episode. Thank you for listening this far if you made it. Um, and if you have made it, please give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram, especially Instagram where we have a lot of great content. At YouThoughtSport is the handle. Um, we're on YouTube as well. We especially do Formula One on there. Hopefully we'll be doing some more. And always just leave comments. Uh, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and tune in next week um, so you can hear some more sports. 